At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Ubug, the world's largest photo contest community with creative tools to help you take your photography to the next level. Viewbug hosts hundreds of photo contests and challenges in a friendly community for photographers. Get your creative juices flowing, build your portfolio, and get rewarded with awesome prizes and opportunities to get exposure worldwide. Check exclusive deals and join their photo contests for free on viewbug.com. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I interview 20-year-old photographer Elliot Tratt. We first became friends on Flickr years ago, when he was still a beginner in conceptual photography. Now he primarily photographs cars and musicians, and has a lot of cool things to say about those two industries. Please enjoy. Hi Elliot, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you here. Please feel free to introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, I'm Elliot. I'm a photographer from Cornwall in England. I use a Canon 5D Mark II with assorted lenses, mostly my Samyang 85mm 1.4. Oh, that's awesome. I also have the Canon 5D Mark II. It's, in my opinion, one of the best cameras, so it's nice to have a camera twin in this world. It's a great camera, really. It's um, Yeah, it's a few years old now, but it certainly keeps up with everything I want to do with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And it's great now that it's more affordable than ever, I feel like, because a few years ago it was pretty expensive. Now, since it's sort of outdated, it's uh, much more affordable for people of all kinds. So, yeah, it's a good thing. Definitely, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. You started taking photos at a pretty young age, and we got to know each other when you were, I don't even know how old you were exactly, but you were pretty young. How old yeah. were you when you started taking photos, and what drew you to photography? Um, so I, I was given my first DSLR when I was about 14. It was a uh, Canon 400D, and I got it with a kit lens. And uh, I, that was when my love for photography started, really. Um, 
just really taking pictures of absolutely everything and anything. Mm. I vividly remember myself, age 14, saying, I'm never going to take portrait photos. Why would I ever want to take pictures of people? <laughs> little did I know, not very many years later, I would be doing concert photography and taking mm. pictures of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you uh, initially started out with concept photography, as you said, and you took a lot of self-portraits. That's how I remember you from the start. So it is interesting that you were against it initially. Definitely. Yeah. It was um, quite a learning experience for me to learn my way around the camera more than anything. Like Mm -hmm. landscape for me, just very much a comfort zone thing. I could sit there on a beach and take photos and I didn't really have to do very much. But then when it came to trying to take photos of people, it was actually quite a lot harder than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. It is more daunting because then you have to socialize and make sure that your models feel comfortable with you. And there's a whole world to it that is completely non-existent in other genres like landscape photography. But I think that's the beauty of different genres. You get to pick and choose what really fits your personality. And sometimes you get out of your comfort zone and try new things and learn about yourself. So, yeah. Definitely, yeah. It's good to push those boundaries. I try and still do that regularly and just keep my creative juices flowing, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good thing. So right now you primarily photograph cars and musicians. Car photography is a very specific genre with its own technical requirements. I mean, I've never tried it, but it seems pretty complicated. How do you make your photos luxurious and eye-catching? And do you have any tips for beginners in this genre? Um. I'm still trying to learn my way around it, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I've only really delved into automotive photography for the last six or seven months through a a local business running a a cars and coffee event in the southwest of England. And it's been great to have the opportunity to meet all these owners and learn all the little nuances of these cars. And I, I think one of the biggest things to make these cars look great is to pick up the little details. A, a car can look nice from a distance, but it's the little details that the engineers and the designers have put into these cars to make them special. And making those details visible to everyone else on a big screen or on a wallpaper is probably the most rewarding and probably one of the most interesting bits of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very interesting. I like your perspective on it. I have never really thought of car photography as something like that because I never really dove into it, but it is interesting to know that it is so complicated and full of beauty. And I think it will be interesting for the listeners as well, especially those who might be interested in this genre, but have never really pursued it. Definitely. It's interesting. You learn the shapes of the cars and what works nice and where the light bounces off just to make these really nice little images. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you struggle with the most as a young photographer? I think life has got easier with the advent of social media and doing things through social media, which imagine for photographers of past, a very different ballgame. But I think one of the trickiest things I find is the the saturation of photographers. It's great going on Instagram and seeing thousands upon thousands of photographers, but it's trying to be good enough to show your skills to potential clients and customers that you're better than them in all the other photographers, Mm -hmm. which especially in a market like I am in a relatively limited 
area with musicians who aren't making a huge amount of money on their gigs. Often they're running them at a loss. And a lot of these car owners, you know, they don't really want to pay for pictures of their cars. You've got to try and make yourself something special. And that's what I've always tried to to strive for. It's going for that special look to make people want to come back with you. And it's left me to be part of a few projects which I can sit back and be really proud of as the people that I've worked with are growing into a much better and bigger presence in the area. And you can kind of sit there and go, I I was actually instrumental in the start of that, Mm -hmm. which is always nice. Yeah, that is very nice. And I understand the struggle of that because I think as photographers, we often want to stand out locally. And we'll talk more about that later in this interview, how to thrive as a local photographer. But I think oftentimes the best way to stand out in any situation is to experiment with different things, because I know your work is very experimental. You have different angles in your portfolio, different ways of color grading, editing. So I feel like that's what really makes you stand out as a photographer in various genres. So uh, it is a good piece of advice for people in general to just experiment with different things and prioritize standing out locally. Of course, yeah. Mm -hmm. And speaking of your job and everything, you've had many different photography-related jobs throughout the years. You've photographed bands, as you said. You've collaborated with organizations and more. Most of that work has been done locally. I know a lot of photographers struggle with finding jobs that are somehow related to photography, especially in their area. Do you have any tips on how to grow your business, especially if you haven't traveled to different countries or even regions? I think the biggest thing, and I have this philosophy in a lot of the stuff that I do in life, is is networking, getting to speak to people. If you know someone who might know someone, it's great because you end up expanding your bubble of people really rapidly. And I think turning up to events, be it car events, musical events, and just chatting to people doesn't cost you anything to enjoy well it might cost you a few pounds to enjoy a gig but you can chat to people and start networking and they they might have a band or a friend in a band that goes oh actually this photographer he's quite good and it opens up the bubble more than just trying to find people on instagram and messaging them do you need a photographer which sometimes works but it's the personal aspect of things that I find is very beneficial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a very good answer and a very good point to make in any situation in the photography industry, because I also have benefited a lot and I emphasize a lot by networking with different people. And sometimes a relationship that you think would be insignificant actually turns out something that had a a dramatic change in your life. For example, for me, some people recommended me to a company and that company stood out to me and we started collaborating. Things like that. Basically, I think the goal is never to underestimate a connection, even if they are so far away from where you are as a photographer or even if they are in a different industry altogether. I think it is important to have as many connections as possible. And of course, they have to be meaningful, but uh, collectively, they can make a significant difference in your work. I totally agree. It's good to speak to people because you learn what other people are looking for as well. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a case of you recommending someone else to them, they'll remember you for that. Exactly. Yeah. And you get to exchange ideas. You get to really understand how other people work and think and just function. It's just 
if nothing else, then it's eye-opening and you learn something from it. Agreed. Mm -hmm. The music industry is vast and unpredictable, especially when it comes to lighting. You usually have to deal with all kinds of unusual colors and they may or may not make the musicians look flattering, unfortunately. Your event photos are great, though, even when lots of vibrant tones are involved. How do you achieve that? Um, my general approach when it comes to a concert is get there for sound check so that you get to see how the lighting is going to run for the event. That, that's always really key because in sound check, you kind of get a, a practice run. Um, you, you get to see where the lights are shining, where the musicians are standing. And it makes life easier because once they're on stage doing their actual set, you know, sometimes you've only got three songs to get it right. And that is some of the, the highest pressure photography you can do is if you've got three songs and you've got a magazine waiting for images for a write-up <laughs> and <laughs> you've just got to get it right. So mm -hmm. I'll often shoot with my 24 to 105 f4 or my 70 to 200 2.8 because I don't have time to change lenses. And just trying to find the angles whilst everyone's moving, just to get the lighting to work nicely. I, I think the recovered shots from most gigs is I'll take two or three hundred for a three-song interval, and I'll probably come away with about 30 that are usable. But mm. it's making sure that you have the, the usable ones to then take into Lightroom and just tweak them enough to make them look okay. I find um, blues are the, the, the most awful colours to deal with and reds because they wash skin tones out so quickly mm -hmm. that you end up losing all the detail in anyone's face. So I try and avoid images where the blue or the red light is shining directly onto someone's face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Reds are the enemy in pictures like that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I sometimes work with artificial colors just for experimental reasons. And sometimes uh, I work with reds and oftentimes that does not work for me because it's, it's so unflattering in portrait photography. I mean, it can work. Um, I think especially in dual tones where you use blue and red or variations of that in a studio. And that works perfectly because then you can control the lights. But I think in a candid environment, where the lights are always changing and it's unpredictable, as you said, and the tones are affected. It's definitely not ideal. So, yeah, it is good, especially if the lights are changing, to maybe avoid blue and red. That's a good tip. Yes. Mm -hmm. But is it not discouraging for you to know that for, let's say, three songs, you get 300 photos and ultimately you end up with 30 pictures that you like only? Or do you just accept that as part of the process? Because for me, sometimes that is a bit discouraging. It can be. It can be discouraging. But I've going through the use of doing it, I would go from 1,000 pictures to 500 to 300. And I, I had a, an experimentation period with film photography for a while. And I think that really helped me. It was because you only get the one chance to shoot each shot. It made me really appreciate pressing the shutter button. Mm -hmm. and, and so going, but then taking that back to a digital camera and going into a concert environment where you've got limited time frame and you want to make every single shot count. And so then you appreciate when you press the shutter button and you line things up much better. And I think the 5D Mark II 
is also really quite nice for that because you don't get an incredibly high frame rate when you're shooting with the camera. Mm-hmm. You also then appreciate having to take each photo as it comes, whereas having photographed in the past with like the 7D Mark II, it's just far too easy to run too many images and have far too much wastage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's an important tip for photographers to keep in mind because it's oftentimes not about the amount of pictures you take sometimes. It is good, especially if the environment allows it to just take a step back and take maybe take less photographs, just to appreciate the moment more and be more uh, mindful of composition oh, and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I try to keep that in mind. But I typically don't work in very busy environments. For me, it's often self-portrait photography, uh, portrait photography, pet photography. <laughs> I mean, pet photography, as you know, can be quite busy <laughs> with uh, your little subject running around everywhere. But uh, yeah. It is interesting for me to know how other photographers work in busier and more hectic environments. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialise in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% of your first year as a premium member. I recently wrote an article about the benefits of working with the camera equipment you already have. I believe that if you limit yourself in terms of equipment, you can really strengthen your creativity and patience within a short period of time. What is your opinion on this? Uh, I totally agree, to be honest with you. Um, I very rarely buy any new equipment, and I like to work within my means. Hence why I've kept the 5D Mark II for for years on end. I I don't feel I need an upgrade. Everything I do is far exceeds my expectations. You know, posting a picture onto onto Instagram, what does it matter if the image is 21 megapixels or 50? It's... um, you know, no one's going to actually notice that. But working with what you have is great. I spent a long time working with the 18 to 55 on the 400D. I then went to a 50mm 1.8 and stuck with that for, I think it was two years that I kept that lens before getting anything out. Mm-hmm. You, you learn how the camera works better and you can make your images better because you know how it works. Exactly. It's like forming a relationship. The longer you spend time with it, the easier it is to understand and develop an intuition for it. I think it's, I mean, I try to emphasize this a lot in the podcast because I know a lot of listeners, they don't really have a lot of equipment. Um, Maybe they can't even update or upgrade that much. I've gotten a lot of comments from people saying they have a shoestring budget and that's totally normal. You should never feel ashamed for having a shoestring budget, especially if you're uh, Career is not photography. I mean, I think it's like a common universal issue, right? So work with what you have and 
make the most of it. And I think that will help you strengthen your creativity very, very quickly. Oh, definitely. It's, um, I, I don't think having a lack of equipment should be seen as a, uh, a disadvantage because at the end of the day, everyone can still take incredible photos with minimal equipment. I was taking what I thought was some really awesome photos on a 400D and an 18 to 55 mil kit lens, mm-hmm. which I could probably take worse photos on the 5D2 and a 24 to 105. <laughs> so, you know, it's how you dedicate yourself to the equipment to make it work for you. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you. I remember when you first started taking photos and sharing them on uh, Flickr, some of your first photos, from what I remember, were very conceptual, uh, self-portraits. And honestly, I thought you had a more advanced piece of equipment than what you did have at the time. So it just proves that it is really about how you use your equipment and not necessarily what you're using all the time. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Before this interview, we talked a little bit about color grades, and you mentioned that you use a certain website to make them. What is that process like? I'm very interested to know. Okay, so I tend to go to a website called uh, coolers.co, and basically it generates a a color palette of a range of colors that you can then choose, and it'll give you complementary or um, opposing colors to make a, a nice color scheme, which probably is more designed for other things other than photo editing. But what I find when it comes to editing my photos is I don't like using Instagram filters or other people's Lightroom's presets as such, so I I make my own. And so what I would then do is I will make a color map or gradient map in Photoshop and add the colors from that color scheme into that gradient map. and overlay onto my image so that then it changes the color tones throughout the shadows up to the highlights and I I think it's really really satisfying how it can change the complete mood of a photo but it's also great for when I do festival photography where you've got two or three days worth of images of a similar environment but you want them all to be tied in together nicely and having the same sort of shadows and highlights all being similar colors it really makes them have a very cinematic mood Mm -hmm. that's a really smart way to approach it i think i've personally never heard of that technique because mostly for me i'm familiar with lightroom presets as you mentioned instagram filters of course and a bunch of other programs that are made for photographers but you kind of approach it in an unconventional way which is cool definitely I like having, you know, the tones that I want. So what I'm really enjoying at the moment is I've um, currently got like a, a teal through to pink through to orange sort of vibe on a few of my images. And it's great because I've taken like landscape photos and I've got different photos from a completely different day and different lighting. And I put the same sort of filter on them even. And it just ties them together. It makes it feel like that it's a set of images together. Mm-hmm. You said something about, okay, the fact that in landscape photography, it helps you. Okay, so basically when, it, when I uh, go through groups of images from different days and completely different subjects, I can put three, four, five photos together, put them through the same 
preset that I've made for myself. And it will tie the images together really nicely. And it's really nice being able to give it that cinematic almost, I want to say like magazine feel that you've got like a two, three page spread in a magazine and all of the images are all tied together in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that. It would be cool if you could make a video of yourself editing and showing everybody what the process is like because I would definitely watch that but maybe it's your personal secret so <laughs> it's just a recommendation I'm sure I could do something yeah I would love to see what it's like and I will link to the website in the description if anybody's interested in seeing what uh, Elliot is up to when it comes to editing so you mainly use that as an editing technique but do you uh, do you still use Lightroom and Photoshop or have you uh... oh definitely so all, all of my editing primarily goes into Lightroom first to mm -hmm. change the contrast. Usually I, the biggest edit I'll do is I will do the contrast and I will do the clarity and get the exposure right. Then I'll take it into Photoshop and um, put one of my special color grades on it and then save it. And it usually looks okay. Yeah, I'm sure it does. I mean, judging by your work, you're doing a great job. So. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's a really cool process. I'm very interested in finding out more. Of course. Do you have any suggestions? Ooh. What question would you like to be asked? That is the question. <laughs> I don't really know. I've never really been put in this position before. <laughs> get, let's get creative. The irony of two creative people struggling to be creative. Hmm. Well, that's the joys of podcasting. Sometimes you struggle a bit with questions. <laughs> what about conceptual photography? What if I asked you about uh, your process for coming up with ideas? Would that be an okay question? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. So you've taken a lot of conceptual photographs in the past, and I'm curious to know what the process is like for you um, coming up with ideas and letting everything come to life. Um. I think it's been a few years since I've done anything like that. But I think one of my biggest inspirations doing it all was listening to music and listening to like song lyrics. It, there was something about particular lines in songs that you kind of sit there and go, actually, that could be a photo. And it wouldn't always make sense. You'd go, okay, let's, and I'd sit down and I'd try and work out some sort of idea that would, that would work. And occasionally it did work. And, I've got enough pictures lying in my, my Lightroom library, which just were completely failed ideas that I'm like, no, that isn't working. But I, th I think I found a lot of inspiration in song lyrics or poetry or that sort of thing where there's some sort of abstract to go against and, and then trying to visualize that. I think that was a really fun task with picking a lyric and going, right, I'm going to make this into some form of artwork. Mm -hmm. Yes, I've talked to a lot of people about this and I've come to realize that I feel like 90% of people get a lot of inspiration from song lyrics or poetry, which makes sense because those art forms are very influential and it is nice that it, they can infiltrate into the photography world, come up with really cool, meaningful ideas. Oh, definitely. It's, um, it's nice to find sources of inspiration like that, really. You can... I quite miss it. You're inspiring to do some more. Um, <laughs> Good. It was always challenging trying to make an idea work because not only was it the, the limitations I had of 
where I could take photos and how I could take photos. It was also then going into the computer side of things and trying to work out how you could make that a reality in Photoshop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole Photoshop process and just any editing program process in general, it can be very complicated and it can take a very, very long time. I know a lot of people who it just takes them ages. And for me personally, uh, I sort of shy away from conceptual photography in general just because I'm intimidated by the editing process and how long it could potentially take. But yeah, it is, uh, I think, as a whole, a very complex system that you really need to experiment with for a long time in order to truly understand. Oh, definitely. And it was, especially in my, the earlier days of taking them, it was a really nice way to learn how to do stuff in Photoshop because I knew what I wanted as a result, but I didn't know how to get there. Mm-hmm. And so experimenting to go, oh, actually, this works or this doesn't work and going like that to try and work out what each thing does to make it work. And yeah. eventually you learn those skills that you wanted because you're trying to find the result that you want. Yeah, it's very satisfying to finally get the results that you want after a lot of experience and, and tears, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Speaking, I know that far too well. Speaking of inspiration, who are your favorite photographers at the moment? Oh, I've recently discovered a uh, an automotive photographer called um, G.F. Williams, and he's done a huge amount of work with Lotus and the few Ferrari owners. His photography is absolutely astounding. And it's really inspiring me to do more car photography because I would like to say that I am relatively inexperienced doing it. And it's just really inspiring seeing someone doing what I like Mm -hmm. and uh, making these incredible pieces of artwork from occasionally quite mundane vehicles. And but equally just open his Instagram feed up to re-inspire myself. Mm-hmm. But equally, the ability to make these chunks of metal on wheels look really cool. And he, he's got a YouTube channel, I believe, which delves into some of the behind-the-scenes of how he does some of the stuff. But I think he's my top photographer at the moment. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I'm looking at his work now, and it's astounding. It's really good. As you said, I mean, he doesn't always use the coolest-looking cars, but he makes all of them look incredible. And it really shows that if you are a talented and experienced photographer, you can make any simple thing look incredible. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm definitely going to look at his work more in the future. Elliot, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh, I've had the fortune of getting published. I've had the fortune of... Uh... I think I've had an album cover. I don't know if I have. I think so. Um, <laughs> I, I think I'd love to be published in uh, a more mainstream magazine as such. You know, one, one that I can go to the local shop and pick it up from. I think that's definitely one of my big goals is to try and get something like that, which I'm sure will happen eventually if I work hard enough. Absolutely. I know, I know. I'm sure it will happen. I know I was in a newspaper not that long ago, but it was only a local one. (laughs) That's still cool. That's still an achievement. Congratulations. Thank you. But yeah, definitely getting published into a magazine of such that I can walk into any shop and buy. (laughs) Yes, and you'll just hold it out in front of you and be like, finally, 
My photograph. That's yes. <laughs> crazy. Hold me up in the air. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be able to achieve that in no time because you're already progressing so much and you've already made so much progress since the first time we talked, which was years ago. Um, yeah, I'm sure that you'll be able to, yeah, just uh, achieve all your dreams within a short period of time. Thank you very much for agreeing to be interviewed. I feel that this was a really fun and insightful interview, and I hope the listeners are inspired to maybe get into car photography or just give it a shot and just look at it and get inspired. So thank you for sharing all of your inspiration and wisdom with us. That's okay. It's been nice speaking to you. Likewise. It's really awesome to see how far Elliot has come within just a few years. Car photography is a fantastic genre with a lot of potential, and the music industry is always full of job opportunities. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to send us an email or join our private Facebook group. We'd love to see you there. See you next week. Once again, thank you to viewbug.com for sponsoring this episode. There's a simple reason why photographycourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.